0: now entering nerdist.com hey naughty monkeys hey spring is here and adamandeve.com is sponsoring this week's episode we have a promo code it's a sex nerd imagine that hey type in sex nerd to check out and you receive free dvds that's three of them you get free shipping you get 50 percent off almost anything in the store oh there's one more thing um oh yeah and a super secret little gift too That's a lot of things. AdamandEve.com is a fantastic resource to try new things. And with this promo code, it's really easy. Um, So go there. It's really discreet packaging. You don't have to worry about it saying, like, sex toys, obviously, on your credit card statement. Just, you know, explore. It's just options. AdamandEve.com, type in sexnerd at checkout, and you'll get 50% off almost anything in the store. Free shipping, three free DVDs, and a secret gift. It is like Christmas every day. Buy things or don't buy things. Really, get stuff. You know, for your junk. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. Whoa, what are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. All right. Hey, hi, welcome to this week's episode. Um, A few things. First of all, this is not a sex hands on heavy episode. Um, This episode is kind of a, an empowerment episode around expression. Because whether it's sexting, love letters, um, writing erotica, um, or like I'm struggling with just writing down my knowledge around sexuality, It is, it can be difficult, but it can be fun. So uh, I sit down with a few folks and talk about it this episode, and it's fun. I had a good time. I had a good time, even though it's in the uncomfortable places for me. So I hope you enjoy the show. Um, I have a few dates. Um, It's kind of gotten real crazy in my schedule, real fast. Um, so I just want to run through some things. First of all, if you're in L.A., okay. Um, I'm going to be talking about stuff that's happening in L.A., in Wisconsin, in Chicago. Yeah, those things. Okay, I was just double-checking, like, where where am I going to be? What's happening? Those three places. So um, tomorrow night, April 17th, I will be speaking. And I didn't really, I didn't know I could invite people to this, but um, it is called the... The Sex Culture and Society Salon. They have events up at meetup.com and it's in Van Nuys. I'm going to have all the info at sexnerdsonder.com by this evening, but it's, I'm going to be speaking on how to be a sex nerd and it will be a little bit of my journey through sex ed and um, my thoughts on things and there will be a QA. So in case you're around, no pressure, but it's a five to ten bucks donation that's happening tomorrow. Then I am going to Los Angeles' WonderCon this Friday, April 18th, and I will be at booth 1401 signing and giving hugs out um, for an hour, so two to three, and then I'll be hanging out. Um, Yeah, so that's going to be happening on Friday. Very fun. Um, Nerdist is great. Uh, Big hugs to them. Then next week I will be at... Uh, The University of Wisconsin at Madison campus. That's right. Madison, Wisconsin. Hello. Good to see you. I'm doing the keynote speech for the Sex Out Loud group. They were so wonderful to invite me out. I'm touched completely. That will be Friday night the 25th of April. It's going to be a lot of fun, Um, about an hour and a half. Um, Again, sexnerdsounder.com will have all the details. It's free. Um, It's open to the community and I'm excited. I'll be talking about amping up your sex life. It's going to be pretty high-level stuff. Can you handle it? Can you handle it? I think you can. Come on out. Then I'm going to be at Chicago, Com- uh, not Comic-Con, it's a C2E2, it's like entertainment and comics all together, um, just hanging out um, the weekend, the uh, 26th, 27th, hey, I'm in town anyway, might as well. I'm going to be at the Thrilling Adventure Hour on the 26th, in case you're in the lobby, want to say hi, feel free to, um, love those guys, love this show, I think there are still tickets available, you need to get at the Thrilling Adventure Hour, it is good times, good brain times, good heart times. Um... I will. I'm putting together something for Sunday, April the twenty seventh. It, it will probably be a live podcast in Chicago. Tickets will be probably around eighteen to twenty dollars. Um, a small audience. I will be announcing that on Facebook and uh twitter as that becomes available um but for sure i will be teaching on monday april 28th in chicago at the pleasure chest there i will be teaching boning 101 and that starts at 8 and that is free um so if you can come out for that and then i fly back to la and take a very long nap Ah, uh, oh you guys it's a lot of things it's a lot of things um looking forward to it very fun um yeah okay focus yes we're here We're podcasting, we are live, and I hope you enjoy the show. Sex nerds! Hey, it's Sandra. Well, you know. We're here. We've agreed. You press play. I'm here in a Hilton hotel. I'm still at a sex conference, and I'm interviewing someone who knows things, but I've seen this person on a lot of panels this weekend, and I'm like, I need to get with this girl, because like... She's really smart and knows a lot of things and uh, is very thoughtful. Um, And she has a really interesting passion that I've never really heard about before. Um, (laughs) Probably sounds way kinkier than it actually is, although it could totally get kinky, you know what I'm saying? Um, But we're about to talk about... um, well, I'll let you talk about it. Hey, Lauren.
1: Hi. Um, I actually love that you were like, I got to get with that girl. That made me excited. That's my goal when I'm speaking on a panel. <laughs> awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, um, our mutual friend Kate McCombs, before you even got up, was like, "You need. How do you not know Lauren?" And I was just like, "I." D- I'm sorry, and then I was just like, "I," you know, and then you got up there, like, "Oh, that's why I need to know Lauren." Oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um. So, you just told me your full name because I. Uh, Because I've just met like 20 million people, and I know you've just met 20 million people, so
1: state your name and Twitter handle. My name is Lauren Marie Fleming. My Twitter handle is at Query Bradshaw, Q-U-E-E-R-I-E Bradshaw. Is that a Sex in the City reference? It is. It times me about when I started. It shows you. It ages me. That's what I should say about when I started this industry. I was like the gay Carrie Bradshaw. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, everyone seems to love it, and I'm kind of like, ah, it's out of the 90s.
0: Oh, it's still, but it's still in terms of branding. Like I get it. Yeah, yeah, it's still relevant. People are still watching Sex in the City. So totally. Um, and you have many hats that you all you put on. Um, can you just kind of run down the list of what you do in the world before we get into our topic at hand?
1: I like to. St- limited to writer, speaker, and motivator. And most of the things I do kind of circle around one of those three. So I write a lot, and the topic that I write most about is sex. I'm a speaker, I speak a lot, and I speak about sex and sex writing. And then I'm a motivator, and I try to encourage people to write and speak about sex as well. Okay. So, you See, because I, I struggle with uh, writing specifically a lot.
0: Like, a lot of feelings come up. I'm sure you've worked with people who have weird feelings around writing. Um, so the fact that you're like, come on, guys, just... Just get at it. Just get at it. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm in.
1: I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm very ready. Let's do this. Let's okay. write. What city do you live in? I live in San Diego, but I travel all the time. I'm everywhere.
0: Okay.
1: All right. Cool. West Coast. Holla.
0: All right. <laughs> um. So the fact that you have this passion that is, um, what did you say on stage? You said... Emp- I want to empower people to be able to write, like, and I felt really free, freed about that. Like, oh, thank you, somebody's doing it because I'm mean, it's not going to be me. And so, I want to know how that relates to sexuality, since it seems like you can write about sex, but you can write about anything. Mm, why are you specifically working with uh, with sexuality in writing?
1: so here's kind of a convoluted way I'm going to talk about how I got into talking about sex in general I was raised in a small town on the Mexican border east of San Diego in a place called Imperial County and we everyone was having sex and no one was talking about it so I just started talking about it because I wasn't having it (laughs) 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 I was like a little gay kid like a fat dyke in a Farming town, there wasn't really options. <laughs> and so, um, everybody was having sex and then everybody was getting chlamydia and pregnant. And we had chlamydia of epidemic proportions in my high school. And everyone was like, I have chlamydia. And, and I was like, okay, I know you slept with them and you slept with them and you're both having the same symptoms. You both have chlamydia. Can we talk about the fact that everyone is suffering from chlamydia right now? And, um, and so that got me talking about sex. And then it just went from there. And, um, then I worked as a, I went to film school and was a screenwriter and all my scenes tended to be around sex. And then I went and wrote and I wrote about sex. And for some reason, this topic kept coming up for me, kept being something really important because no one I knew was talking about it. And then I'd go to blogging conferences and be the one talking about sex. And that's where sex came about. And so sex writing for me, I think that I encourage people to tell their truths and write about the risque, the things that they are, have been told their whole lives they shouldn't write about. So I teach a class that has a lot of feedback and a lot of people like about um, grief and sex. And those are the two topics you talk about, like any kind of loss in your life and any kind of sexual activity and taking those really broadly. And it's funny because every single other subject falls somewhere in there. So everything affects sex, everything affects loss. And so when you take those subjects uh, together, you can kind of get anything, you can talk about anything, and when you give someone a topic, it's easier for them to write, but when you give them a broad topic, they can write about anything that they really need to write about, and that's where sex comes in, because it's this thing that people need to talk about, but they don't, and giving them permission to talk about sex is, is exciting. Did you just say that it's, if someone gets a topic, it's easier for them to write? It's a lot easier if I say, okay, just write write 100 pages. You wouldn't be able to write 100 pages. But if I say write 100 pages about something, it, you, you have something to write about. But if I tell you write 100 pages about Chicken McNuggets, it's almost a little too precise. So giving something that's sharp enough that they can have ideas, but not so sharp that they feel limited by those ideas.
0: That's a really good tip. Um, yeah, in storytelling, like having a, sto- like a storytelling show or whatnot, when there's a theme... I'm like, okay, there's a theme. But if there's no theme, it's just like, yes, tell a story. Yay. Like risk storytelling or wherever. Or the moth. Although they have themes. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's, those all have themes. I was asked to do a storytelling thing where there was no theme and I was at a complete loss. So when you say what that. You I'm say. Like,
1: what do you say when they're like, oh, you can speak about whatever you want. Like you don't know the audience, whether you should speak about your dead cat or whether you should speak about the time that you got a butt plug stuck up mm-hmm. somewhere. It wasn't supposed to be up there. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, of course, I want to know about these specific skills around writing you're talking about, but just bringing up grief and sex um that seems really pow- powerful because like as someone who has been in a lot of relationships and uh, many relationships end, I notice that when it comes to like those cross sections that grief it's like people aren't allowed to grieve when it comes to breakups like they can get angry they seem to they might be in a refractory period when it comes to dating but but we don't necessarily talk about. Or share the fact that there is a grief, like that actual feeling of loss, almost like someone's died. Like, I never hear about that from people. and so rare. And so it's like nice to hear that you're tackling. Like, are you also Venn diagramming those, or do you keep those topics separate in your work?
1: I definitely have the intersectionality between them. I always say that a breakup is. You have to grieve for the loss of that future that you had been planning. Mm-hmm. A part of you is dying. And this thing that was almost like a child that you were developing this relationship, you were nurturing it. And then someone came in, like, chopped the tree down kind of thing. And you have to grieve for the loss of that. And yeah, your life may be better off and your life may go in a different direction. But it's still that future that you had been planning is gone. And you people go through the five stages of grief when they leave a relationship. And I think it's important. I know that when I broke up with the person that I thought was going to be the lover of my life, I was like, this is my soulmate, everything, and we broke up. I spent the next year just like dealing with grief and acting like an idiot. And that's actually when I started sex blogging. I was like, I'm going to go sleep with everyone and never have a feeling ever again. And that similar feelings happened when my brother died. I had the same like, I don't want to feel anything right now. So I'm going to do anything that keeps me from feeling. And I think we go through those stages in the same way when we give up a relationship. And so I think that they are really and you grieve your childhood you grieve the loss like the loss of a virginity and all these things you a lot of parts of sex and relationship are losses mm-hmm. and ha- putting the two together really has an intersectionality that's intersect. i can't speak today but anyways that has that thing they intersect there we go <laughs> it's okay we've been talking nonstop to people for
0: days no. it's okay um oh man and I'm starting to think, like, oh, why don't we just do an episode about breakups? You know, it just seems okay. like, um, no, I want to know about writing. I already I covered breakups a little bit with, uh, I had a co-host and our last show together was about breaking up because we were going Aww. our separate ways and it was fine. I mean, you know, like we both had positive reasons why we were going to do our things, but, um, but no, don't try and get out of it. We're going to talk about this. <laughs> so how can someone use writing to help create a better sex life or a more satisfactory one or like,
1: Yeah. How does that work? I... I like to use the example, I travel a lot for work because I speak. So every other month, I'm pretty much gone for the whole month. And so when I'm gone, I like to, not only just with my partner, but with my friends that I don't get to see, I send them postcards. And the simple act of getting like a, not even just a wish you were here, but a really heartfelt like, hey, this happened today. And I wish you had been there with me to laugh about it instead of a text, instead of even so, instead of a phone call. And then I try to um, encourage people to write love letters, but I also encourage people to use writing as a way to do negotiate consent. And I talk with kink communities about writing down everything that you want to do as a kink and writing out it like a contract. I have a I have a law degree, and so I do a lot of contract work.
0: You have a law degree?
1: I have a law degree.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of really sexy lawyers at this conference. <laughs> My goodness.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not a lawyer. I, it was like, screw the bar, but I have a law degree. So... Ooh. You're a lawyer to me. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I can write my own contract, so that makes me happy. Ah. Um, And yeah, and then using yes, no, maybe checklists and putting things in there. There's so much you can do with writing to negotiate consent and to talk about it. It's easier for me to write out a kinky fantasy that I have and show it to my partner than to ask my partner to enact that kinky fantasy with me first. So it's a way to safely go into that idea. Like I write a lot about public sex. I would probably never do some of the public sex that I've written about and sent to my partner, but it's fun to just like have that erotic moment with them without having to potentially never be allowed on Amtrak again.
0: Okay, so like a way to help them, your partner see inside your mind and mm-hmm. what your fantasy is. But why not just tell them and like, ooh, and like get, you know, just over the
1: phone or like in
0: person and just be like, ooh, and I was thinking about this. What do you think about that? And just talking about that fantasy.
1: Talking about it's great, but that's not always practical. One, talking about it is scary and you have to look in someone's eye and you don't necessarily know their reaction. And I can hand my partner, my partner then has to have the time and energy for that conversation as well. So there's two people involved, but I can hand my partner a fantasy that I wrote and my partner can read it when they're ready and when they feel like it. And um, my partner can write something back to me in a way that we don't have to have that fantasy. We don't have to have that awkward conversation. It also gives us something physical to come back to, especially when negotiating consent. I know exactly what we can and can't do because we've talked about it and it's written there. And if you're especially in some really kinky relationships, I highly encourage people to make contracts, written contracts and understand and have your safe words written down. And you know you can look back at that and see, okay, this is what we can and can't do. And you've had it written down. And it just solidifies things in a way. It also, talking is more spontaneous, which can be amazing. I think it's really great. Mm -hmm. But right Requires you to think, and it also you have muscle memory, you remember things that you write a lot more than you remember things that you say. Now, you just held up your hand and
0: actually did the pen writing
1: motion because th- I'm noticing different
0: themes in what you're saying. There's the analog act of receiving a, a thing in your hand that has written words on it, that is one thing, like like almost like you can keep it because it's nostalgic. i like, oh, it's sentimental, mm-hmm. um, and then there's love letters, which kind of go, I feel like goes a step further where it's just more in-depth expression. Um, or maybe it's just a different style. You're give me this blank look like that girl does not know what she's talking about.
1: Actually, that's not what I was thinking. I was just thinking that I kind of want to show you this thing. So I have my partner recently. I um, I suffer from depression. One of the things that happens when I have depression is it's hard for me to understand why someone would love me. It's Aww. just a thing I know. And it's a thing I talk about because I think a lot of people suffer with depression. And so I can, I can be as wonderful and feel wonderful and confident today. But tomorrow or an hour from now, something might trigger me and it might be really hard for me to remember that my partner loves me. So she has this jar that she filled up with paper written on paper um all the reasons she loves me when i'm having a rough day i'm supposed to open one of those pieces of paper and that is so much more powerful to me opening a piece of paper that she took time to write and fold in half and put into a jar than a text message reassuring me like even if she sent me a hundred text messages that one piece of paper does more and there's something about the physical analog of it Mm -hmm. that's really beautiful.
0: I'm feeling emotional. I don't know why. Try because I, you know, sometimes don't feel loved too, even though I know I'm loved.
1: Yeah, it's hard to, it, we're not told often enough that we're loved and that we're okay. We're always told that we need to be better and we're never really told that we're okay where we are right now. And so I try to tell people they're okay where they are right now. Because honestly, I need to hear that. I like to write from my 12 year old self, the self that was a little fat awkward dyke in a small conservative farming town and <laughs> it felt completely lost. And it's amazing to just have that Thing that grounding thing to physically touch. Oh, I want to have like a depression party where everyone comes with a jar and paper, and then you just write loving notes oh, to your friends. Amazing. We should do it here at CatalystCon because <gasps> these people that keep me up when I'm at events like this. I need them when I'm at like other events that aren't quite so sex positive. When I walk <laughs> into a room and they're like, "You do what? You talk about what? Yeah, we're not going to attend your session." <laughs> Oh, man. This is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Everyone at home should do that, too. Should have your friends get together and tell you why you're wonderful and put it in a jar. And when you forget, then you have the jar full of wonderful to remind yourself. you like a birthday jar. Yeah. Every year you have a
0: party. Oh, my God. Yeah. The birthday jar. And then you all you're Oh. I love it. I love it. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Okay. We're getting... We're getting, okay.
1: So but, can I say on top of that, then there's another <laughs> thing that we have that's... Uh, truth or dare sticks that we found that we love and um, we want to make some ourselves but on one side it's like do a kinky sex thing on the other side it's answer a question so you could do that too like a written truth or dare sticks and that's a way to all these fantasies that you have you can write them in there and you can play them out as you pull them out of a jar mm. and you don't know what's in there because your partner put them in there put the other one in like you both put stuff in so you don't know what you're going to get out this reminds me of how
0: like just in terms of skill development when we think about writing I, when like when you say like oh i want to teach people about writing i think okay that means blogging or that means journaling or that means something specific but you're but the skill to write that means just writing down words and expressing yourself or creating a game like writing can be used for so many different things mm-hmm. And so you're, you're, and your eyes just lit up like you're just like, mm-hmm.
1: I love it. I love how much you can manipulate it, how much we can take writing and make it whatever. And I think we write more now than we ever have before. And none of us are writing on pen and paper anymore. How many text messages do you send? How much do you tweet? How much do you write on your Facebook? But we write within these tiny little short bursts. And if we can just write a little bit longer, write on a piece of paper, journal, and, you know, five minutes a day, just fill a piece of paper. And that act of writing just, just does something in you? It releases something in you in a way that typing doesn't.
0: Okay, and so then you're also promoting analog writing mm-hmm. versus digital
1: writing. Yeah, one of the best advice pieces of advice as a writer I got was to sit down and physically write in a journal every morning, and that gets me. If I take an half an hour and type it doesn't do much for me. But if I take a half an hour and physically write, my whole creative being opens up in a way that's so different. There's something about that, that even though it's not something that we've been doing our whole existence as human beings, there's something really natural and instinctive about it.
0: I've noticed it. I'm just really lazy.
1: What about when people are lazy? Like, how do you motivate them to do it? Oh my god, if when you know the answer to that, will you let me know because I'm so lazy as well. Hey, I don't have motivator on my business card. <laughs> right, that's true. I did put motivator. <laughs> Damn it, I can't. I can't get out of this one. Um, I I say go find the coolest journal that you want to actually look at and open and a really nice pen. I was listening to this thing on NPR the other day and they were talking are important. Yeah, they were talking about how you'll have this guy in a $5,000 Armani suit pull out like a 10 cent Bic pen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how we don't put value on pins anymore, but I am in love with this one kind of Uniball and it's $6 a pin and it is worth every last dollar. Break it down. Which Uniball? It's oh, it's Stylo 7.0 and they're just perfect. I love them, okay. but it's not best. I, I, they're thick. I like thick pins oh. and some people like fine points. So find a pen you like, find something you want to hold, something that's comfortable. Find a journal that you'd love to look at mm-hmm. and you'll you put it by your bed and just when you wake up, roll over and write the last, five things you dreamt or the first five things you think and just start there. Okay. I'll I'll try. I'm not (laughs) promising you anything. Okay. So we've got, I'm going to, I'm going to call you next week and be like, so the journal, the pen, what are you doing? Is it going? Well, okay.
0: I didn't even think about this as relevant really, but I have been waking up every morning at 9am Monday through Friday, the last several weeks. And my friend and I uh, promised that we would write for half an hour and so it's also been a great alarm clock because mm-hmm. um, they uh, wake me up, and so it's it's perfect because then they know that they have to, or else you can like, I get you know can text them like Bleh. but it it kind of helps, but it hasn't really been helping. I've been typing. I think maybe it's time for me to try something new. So maybe that because I mean I want I'm going through my sexual history and I'm, I'm exploring like you know writing ideas. Um, actually, which brings me to um, professional writing. Um, because I noticed like, at this conference, there's a lot of people who are doing erotica and whatnot, and I don't know if this is relevant to someone listening, but, I mean, you blog a ton. Um, I don't even know where to, what to ask. That's, this is, I realize this is more personal, and I don't know if anyone actually wants to know about this. Oh, God, hard, really hard. Um, professional writing. I know you mentioned that you're starting a, a publishing company for publishing guides. Is that a thing?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I came to Con last um Mars mm. September. September! There was CatalystCon in, in West in September, and I was talking to these people that are experts in X, Y, and Z, and I was telling them that I have a memoir, and I got this amazing agent. She was Obama's agent. Like, she's an amazing agent. And then they sent it out to publishers, and everybody sounded so excited about it. I actually had talked to some publishers, and I thought for sure people were going to take it. And everything back was, this is a beautifully written, amazing piece of work. No one's going to buy lesbian sex memoir. It's just too niche. No one's going to buy that. So I got denied from all my publishers. And I was like, at this point where I was really pissed off (laughs) that being a lesbian was keeping me there. They said, you know, if it had been a straight woman or if it had not been a sex memoir, but the combination of it being a lesbian sex memoir, no one's going to buy this. So I was really upset by that. And then I had all my friends that were experts in their field and they, I asked them, well, why don't you write a book? And they thought, I don't really have anything that I could write a book about. And so we decided to instead do these guides, a one subject guide, anywhere from 15 to 30 pages. And it's just one subject, one guide. And we can do that. We can do a guide and we can publish them ourselves. And so um, I put together Frisky Feminist Press and we put together four guides and there's topics like phone sex and negotiating consent and choosing a harness for strap-on sex and how to spot a good sex uh, sex store. And those are four really easy topics that you don't need a full book on, but they're important information. And my whole goal was I think that if E.L. James had had better information when she Googled BDSM, Fifty Shades of Grey would have been a consensual kink story instead of this kind of abusive relationship. And so I want to make, I want to be at the top of Google when people look for sex education. I want to have high quality sex education. And I want to encourage my friends to also be up there, the people I know that are doing well. I want to promote everybody that's doing, that's putting out good information about sex. And I want us to be on the top of Google. So that's my goal.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, we need more. We need more. Because as much as people say, oh, everything's on the Internet, there is so much missing on the
1: Internet. There is so much. Everything is on the Internet, including the bad. And every time someone attacks someone, every time someone puts out negative information, I want to put twice as much good, twice as much positive, because I want there to be a space for the positive and the good on there. So everything is on the Internet, including so much misinformation. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, the accuracy factor is Mm -hmm. is astounding and Thank God, more and more scientists are getting interested in this field. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Seriously. Seriously. seriously talk about that. <laughs> Science. Sex.
0: Okay, uh, let's see. You talked about uh, love letters. You kind of were anti-Twitter and texting in these short formats. You were saying, like, we need to get longer. So it's like, okay, this, this person, Lauren's, um, Lauren's messages, write longer, write by hand. That as an act of developing oneself and exploring, yes. But however, how can we develop skills so that we can use these methods that we're already using even better?
1: So Twitter is the ultimate editor. You have 140 characters. And I actually think that I've learned to be less wordsy in my writing and be more precise and say exactly what I need to say because I've had to do it on Twitter and I can't I'm not knocking, texting, and tweeting. I think it's great. I have gotten many jobs from and best friends from Twitter. And so I think it's a great source. But I think that we need to be conscious about our writing as well. I think write, don't write with any thought, just sit down and write however you can, let it free flow. Don't think a single thing. But then when you actually go, if you are professionally as a writer, really taking time to, to get away from the distraction, to be conscious of what we want to say, know what you want to say, and then say it and then speak it and say it in a longer format I'm not saying 30,000 words, but you know, give yourself a page instead of jotting down a text message, give yourself a page to send someone what you think about them versus, Hey babe, I love you, Write Why you love them and then mail it to them. And then they get it in the mail and they just got a love letter in the mail. And when was the last time you got a love letter in the mail? And how does that make you feel? Your heart just like explodes with joy. Someone took the time out of their day to write to you and then put a stamp on it and then mail it. And then you got it. And like, it's, (laughs) It's nice. It's nice. That instant gratification isn't there. But when it comes, it's so much more fulfilling. And not that an email and a text isn't wonderful. Send those too. But take a little bit more time and the people recognize that. They know it. They can feel it.
0: You can't feel it. Like there's an energy around like, whoa, they actually
1: like wedding v- invitations. I'm like, damn. Right? I'm like, it took you like six hours just to calligraphy. <laughs> I'm saying like a lot. I feel it's become, I'm with someone else from Southern California. Whenever I'm around anyone else from Southern California, I'm like, 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 dude, like totally cowbunga.
0: Oh, thank you for m- m- mentioning that. I'm I don't notice when I'm real conversational until I'm listening. And I, I'm like, oh, no, Sandra. <laughs> get it together.
1: <laughs> I feel that way about most of the stuff in my life. <laughs> oh no, Lauren, get it together. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh,
0: um okay, so then you bring up the the love letter because I've heard plenty of people go I don't just like dirty talks, like I don't know what to say, I don't know what to write. It's I mean, how is there like um an exercise or or a list of adjectives or like how how can you give me a few ideas of how you help urge people along when they really just don't know where to even start and what to put onto the page?
1: So I like to point everyone in the direction, even though, you know, you asked my advice. I like to point everyone in the direction of Steve Allman. And if you Google Steve Allman's advice for writing about sex, he has 12 pieces of hilarious advice about writing about sex. And he talks about how to – what words and languages to use and knowing your audience and all these different things. And it's really funny and it's really hilarious. And a lot of what I know about writing about sex comes from that. But as far as sitting down and doing a love letter, you don't want to be – it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to write them an erotic piece that gets them excited for when you come home so you guys can just go at it right away, then you're going to use a different kind of language. But if you're trying to express, hey, baby, I know you've had a rough time, but here's all the reasons why I love you. Here are all the things I like about you. Just list all the things that you like about them and conventional things, the things that you you look at them and you just take for granted, that little nape the part of the nape in their neck that you just stare at and you've never told them that that's something you like. Think about those things or think about the way you miss them and why. Saying I miss you is one thing, but here's why I miss you. I miss you because right now you would find that funny and no one else would and I miss the way you laugh at my dorkiness. And giving just a little bit more information about these things that you say. you <laughs> It's that horrible <laughs> cheesy song, you know, more than words. You you want to... just not I, I don't know which song that is. Oh my gosh, the the... Uh, saying I love you it's like from the 80s or the 90s it's saying oh, I love you is not the words isn't that more than words Isn't here, I,
0: I have a genetic disorder where I can't understand <laughs> lyrics I, oh, yeah. and so,
1: but, but I'm sure everyone
0: else is totally yeah. on board
1: anyways it's like anyone can say I love you but show me and so I tell people show when you're writing show people show them what you love about them show them why you love them or just even a postcard saying today this funny thing happened and you weren't here to laugh with me and that made me miss you because you weren't here to laugh with me and just the simple little things are so much more powerful um i would love
0: an example of what doesn't work versus what does like i like your smile i mean that i mean that's like well i I like your smile that's nice to hear i mean that that is nice to hear but um but that might i guess it's also people's communication
1: styles Mm -hmm. well so my partner and i when we first got started my partner really likes to be to my partner is really attracted to, to intelligence. So my partner would tell me, "I love the way your brain works. I love the way you think, I love the way you make me laugh and then I was like, "Well, what about my body and I needed to be I was insecure about my body. People had always been telling me I was smart, no one really had told me growing up that I was sexy, so I needed to be hurt told that I was sexy so now, for example, in that jar full of the information, I brought full of the the jar full of the notes that tell me why she loves me I got your luscious breasts as one of them and then the way the words you're saying curl around your mouth so instead of saying I love your smile it's like I love the way the words curl around your mouth of course the writer would date the poet. I know. I know. It's actually really hard because she's so much more eloquent than I am. And I read YA novels and she's <laughs> reading like Alice Munro and hardcore literature. And so she keeps me on my toes.
0: Oh, okay. 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 So we're almost out of time. Uh, I I realize how big this topic is. Mm-hmm. So I want to get into concrete stuff. Okay. Like really... Um, so you're encouraging just start writing, write in a notebook, um, show, don't tell if you're trying to communicate love to someone or friskiness to someone. Um, I really like what you're saying about writing about fantasy, um, and negotiation. Now those two seems different, like separate, um, like two different styles. Cause one, you're, you're trying, it's almost like listing. Like I think of negotiation is like, I'm okay. I'm into this, 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 and this, I don't really want to do that, 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 um, and please do not put it in my butt or like whatever <laughs> the, your your yeses and noes are. But not everybody knows, and I think part of writing is actually getting clear when everything feels like chaos because there's so many feelings. So, how is someone?
1: What are some tips for being able to lay
0: out your negotiation?
1: I um, I think the best way to lay out your negotiation is, I know how cheesy it sounds and how everybody suggests it, but a yes, no, maybe list. And I'm actually going to take, we have a guide on Frisky Feminist Press called Love Hurts, a Consent-Based Guide to Kink. And I would say it's more of a consent-based guide to negotiation. The whole thing is about how to negotiate your wants. And she does 30 pages of it. And it's amazing. So you should check that out if you really want to get into negotiating details. But one of the things she does is, instead of the traditional yes, no, maybe list, which is yes, I want to do this, maybe I will do this, no, I don't want to do this, is doing a hell yes list, a yes if you're into it list a maybe a not really and a hell no list and kind of going in that and like I'll do it if you want to do it but this is what I really want to do and just taking a list of 20 different items that you can find online if you google it and okay anal fisting hard no (laughs) but role-playing sure, maybe. you know, And putting them in that and then coming together, and you'd be surprised at how much overlap you have. Or the thing that both of you have been doing because you thought the other one liked it, and you both realized that neither of you were really into anal fisting, but you were anally fisting because you thought the other person wanted to do it. Not that that's something you'd <laughs> usually just end up doing. but just, I feel
0: like it, Is there an yes-no-maybe app, like a negotiation app, where you can check things and then... That way you can run it against your partner and like all your hell yeses can come up. I was like,
1: that would be amazing. We should, I should create some kind of yes, no, maybe thing that you input your yes, no, maybe, and it pops up both of your yeses.
0: Yeah. To really just sort of mainstream it, Uh, mainstream it. No, not mainstream it. Uh, Streamline it. Streamline it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's been a long weekend, folks. (laughs) Yes. All good words. All good words. I don't discriminate. Um, I think also one thing that we've talked a lot about is partners. I think that one of the most important pieces of advice I give people when they're going back into dating is to write down their own yes, no, maybe list. Or instead of yes, no, maybe, I say need want can't and so in the need things my partner absolutely has to have I need a partner who loves to travel I need a partner who likes to read maybe I'd like a partner who likes dogs and absolutely no I can't take a partner who doesn't like to travel although I just said that twice but there's yes no and maybes and before you go out looking for somebody knowing what you need in somebody will save you of having of dating people that are bad for you and i take that and as i read okay cupid i make sure oh no sorry i'm you're out oh you have something on my no list you're out that is a no for me and i know this will never work and i might be your friend but having that dating and then also knowing your fantasies going in so if i'm trying to write about my fantasy i i think about all the things that turn me on and then i write it and if i'm writing it in erotica and i'm in that place and I'm like, oh yeah yeah and then you did this and then that and i'm i'm like mm-hmm. i don't actually want to include that in my erotica then i know that that's probably not something i really want to include in my life either but if i start to explore it in erotica i explore it in my writing and this is writing i never show anybody i just submitted i've been writing erotica since i was a kid and i just submitted my first one ever last week to be published and so i write about sex but i've never written erotica so i finally just shared it but i have this whole bibliophile of erotica things that I've been thinking about since I was 12. And when I go to play parties or when I talk to my partner, I'm like, hey, look, this is a fantasy that I've continually seen through this erotica. Let's try it. Let's try it out. And knowing what your desires are before you even approach a partner, even when you're single, negotiating your desires with yourself is really important. And you can't know you can't tell a partner what they are if you don't know them yourself.
0: What about the fear that it's not going to be good? Because I think of, yeah, I mean, you are oriented toward writing like you're just kind of it's called to you you're you're into it you want other people to start writing and um if i think of writing a fantasy like i've written erotica i I mean when i say erotica i kind in terms of my own writing i think of just sort of trying to trying to capture a fantasy or something that's hot to me i but i don't think of it necessarily as erotica because that sounds way more professional
1: I know. Isn't that funny? Like, I never thought it was erotica until my partner was like, you know, these things are sending me, they could be published in this erotica book. And I was like, this isn't erotica. This is just a fantasy. I'm writing to you. That's the same thing. The difference between something that's published and something that's not is that it was published. There's some real shit out there that has been published. So it doesn't, I would not worry about the quality of it until that's what editing is for. Just write what you're feeling and write as it goes and make up a story as it goes. And that's the great thing. You don't need to be the the next El James, you just have to get it out of you. Get it out. Get it out. Tell your truth. Tell your hard truth. Like with capital T. Tell the thing inside you that you're afraid to say. Write it, and then there's this amazing stuff called flying wish paper. And if you if you Google it, oh, you can find it. I've, oh, I have had that. Yeah. yeah. So I write it on there, and then if you curl it up and set one in on fire it like flies away into the universe and then your desire just went into the universe and the universe will bring your desire back to you maybe mm-hmm. in the form of another flying wish it's like magic yeah, yeah. It's like your flying wish and someone else's flying wish will meet and then they'll like have your little fantasy and then bring it back to you it's great
0: yeah i thought it was gonna like be all awful and like i'll just buy this because this sounds like it could be cool but like it really does just fly up in the air when it catches fire
1: uh-huh i'm like it flies paper flies <laughs> how does this happen let's do it again science <laughs> Awesome. Um, Where can people find you out in the world? Out in the world, you can find me at querybradshaw.com, Q-U-E-E-R-A-E, bradshaw.com, on Twitter at querybradshaw, and then Frisky Feminist Press. If you want to get some information, we have one on how to talk about sex. We have one on how to find good sex toys and learning about bad for you things to put inside your body that you shouldn't, but are still out there as sex toys. We have ones about consent and negotiation. And I'm teaching a class on using writing to enhance your sex life. So, and it's all free. And so where, where's, T- oh, sorry, friskyfeminist.com, Frisky Feminist Press. No, I mean, um, you're teaching a class through but- online. Yeah. Oh. Online. So anyone can do it from anywhere. Cause we were finding ourselves doing these classes and workshops in San Francisco, LA and New York. And then we had all these people in middle America that wanted to take them. So we put them online and they're free.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Just like the clitoris. <laughs> Yay! Always bring it back to the clitoris. Because <laughs> really, we it's know really, what's up. Yeah. Um. Okay. All right. Okay. I feel like this is good. I feel like... There's <sighs> just a lot. I kind of... I, I
1: know. I'm, it was a very... It's scattered. <laughs> it's scattered,
0: but it's... It's just finding where to start because, like... I feel I need to do an episode just on sexting, mm-hmm. but just being able to find this stuff. What I kind of want to do, <laughs> I have all of my love letters from past partners and my very first boyfriend and I, we had dinner recently or lunch or whatever it was. And turned out he had all his, and I would love to get together. And cause you know, the 13 year old mind mm-hmm. exchanging letters. And I would love to go through and just laugh and just be like, weirded out because he has all of mine and I have all of his so we we could see so
1: cute I want to read 13 you guys should publish that somehow 13 year old you 13 year old him see what they what they say that's so cute
0: well he sent me one of them and I will tell you right now I was dirty (sighs)
1: that's even better
0: (laughs) oh it was like I didn't I but I had no awareness I had no awareness that what I was writing was that dirty like well because at the time I just was kind of like goofing off
1: But the words I was saying were really raunchy. I
0: was just like, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, I find that I look back at 12-year-old me, and I was writing about some really deep shit, and then I was writing about some really sex stuff, and I was like, wow, I forgot the 12-year-old me. That's when people ask me, I was asked yesterday, what's a good age to get a vibrator? I say, 12-year-old me should have had a vibrator. (laughs) You know, kids have sexuality in the way that we express them, or we learn from things. And so seeing what 13-year-old you, that's a gift. That's amazing. Thank you I still have fear about writing. I still am still feeling it. So what what are you what's what's scary about it for you?
0: Oh, uh, it, to have a concrete proof of something that's in my mind it feels it feels uh, very naked. It feels naked in a way that I like talking and recording it somehow because there's no transcript script of it it feels like it somehow doesn't count or it's okay. Because it's just, you know, it's, it's verbal communication just for some reason feels very natural to me. But writing something down, like a fantasy and sending it to a partner or writing a blog post, if it's professional or private stuff or just to myself, there is something really difficult about that for me. Like there's, I don't know.
1: Well, I think that the what makes writing so wonderful is that it takes thought, but therefore you're held I don't want to think. But you're held more accountable for it because people assume that you're thinking when you do it. So people hold you accountable for what you wrote in a way that they don't necessarily hold you as much accountable for what you've said. And so writing is a way to make things permanent and concrete, and that can be really scary. I still worry that people find my journals. It's scary, but negotiating with the people in my life that these are my journals and they're very private and do not look at them um, until I'm dead and then go ahead, do what you want with them. But I have a drawer that locks and I keep them in it. And that helped me a lot. You don't have to share them with anybody. You don't have to do anything. Getting used to writing not being scary and not having to be perfect. Oh, God, I'm the worst editor and I don't want to put anything out unless it's perfect. But sometimes you just have to not be perfect. And I think writing is a really great place to not be perfect. You can edit it. That's where you make it perfect. When you write it, don't worry about perfection. Don't worry about people writing it. Just write, to write, get it out. Whatever's in you, write, don't make sense, don't make sentences.
0: Mm.
1: (sighs) Fine. (laughs) (laughs) I love that.
0: Well, okay, fine, if you insist. Thank you so much for speaking with me and taking the time out of our our last day of the conference.
1: Thank you. This was so much fun. And hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yeah, follow her. She's cool and stuff. Take her class. And stuff.
0: Yeah, well, she's also got a cute little handkerchief in her hair and stuff, you know things anyway uh as we say on the podcast go team fun
1: go team fun i like that um, bye bye hi gregory
2: hello sandra
0: oh, i'm looking at my levels do you like it
2: uh that's excellent it's a good practice
0: am i allowed to tell people that you're my um audio guru
2: you can tell people whatever you want
0: oh okay all right excellent okay good So, hi, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the second part of the show where I talk to my good friend, Gregory Scott of Kush Audio. Yes. (laughs) I feel like you get all breathy. You do not talk like that in real life.
2: This is my radio voice. (laughs) This is not... Late night jazz.
0: This is... No. You're going to be mastering this file right after this, so it's not... I'm
2: going to sound warm and sumptuous.
0: Ugh. Fine. I'll sound like the dorky one. Um, So, uh... Gregory and I, we've been friends for a long while, and uh, you have an audio company called UBK, um, and so you basically have kind of whipped me into shape over a lot of (laughs) my audio issues. But also, being an audio master that you are, you and I, oh, God, how long ago did did we start waking up early?
2: Oh, for the writing thing? Uh Uh-huh. I want to say at least three months.
0: Okay, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, and I do not wake up early.
2: Uh, I was getting up earlier then than I do now, and actually, I feel like you because I've my schedule is slipping later and later, and I'm sleeping later and later. So I'm, I'm going back to my vampire ways.
0: Oh, but we're we have been attempting mostly we do it well to wake up at nine a.m. or a little earlier every day and write from nine to nine thirty. Doesn't always happen, but generally we've been doing all right. How has it been for you? Uh,
2: Well, I think, well, in terms of the raw success rate, I think that uh, it strikes me that we were doing it five days a week, and I think we had about a 95% success rate. I was getting up early. It was great because I would get up around 830. It disciplined me to get out of bed at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I was doing a little stretching and have a little juice, and then I'd, I'd call you up. And it was funny because, especially at first, especially at first, I was clearly waking you up because you were just like, blah, blah. "You had that panic in your <laughs> voice, right?" And uh, it was just great to just—I was already kind of awake, and I got to be Mister Sunshine first thing in the morning for somebody, and uh, that was that was an enjoyable experience. So, but anyway, yeah, we—I think we did about ninety-five percent success rate, and then it's been—it seems like we're both struggling lately with our own things in terms of keeping the groove going and staying accountable to one another.
0: Yeah, it's been hard lately. It has. But I will say week two, because you were... It was torture hearing your cheerful voice. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> um, and then at some point... I don't know if I called you mm-hmm. or, or what, but you sounded like like you were hungover or something. Yeah. And I was like, hey!
2: We switched gears. Yeah, we totally switched gears.
0: I remember that, the early yep. days. Um, so we're three months in, and... I haven't written a book <laughs> at all. Like, i basically reverted to just journaling. Apparently, I have a lot of feelings. Okay, um, but I still value the time. And uh, how has it been for you?
2: It's been, uh, it's been wow. It's been a, such a crazy ride in just a, a short while. I would say it started off uh, easy. And that's why I was always sunny because I was like, oh, this is easy. I'm writing every day. Look at me. And then uh, then it got harder as we tried to introduce me and the editor. We tried to introduce more structure into what I was doing. Um, and lately, it's gotten uh, as close to impossible as any kind of creative endeavor can get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, um, my listeners know, Like um, last November, I attempted to do Rimo National Novel Writing Month. Um, and yeah, I didn't go over. So well. I mean, some really intense stuff happened that month. But it's like, there's always going to be excuses. It's like, when do you actually finish a thing? I have been a- attempting to write a book or like, get all the knowledge on paper before I get accidentally hit by a bus, <laughs> like just on or something and every six months, I try and write something that, and then it just kind of, I can't commit to any topic. It's ah. like every day is a different thing. It's, it's like, I want to pay attention to a different thing. Okay. Um,
2: you need to commit to a topic. That's, that's something you've decided has to happen.
0: <gasps> that's a good question. I hmm. feel like, well, like, um, like a topic being like pleasure, or a topic being specific skill set, and it's just so. I like the fact is that you wake up every morning and you work toward an essay, and when I do that, two sentences in, I'm like, I have feelings, and I'll just start talk, writing about my own thing, and I just it, and that is gratifying, but it's not professionally. It's not really kind of helpful. Okay.
2: Is it too soon for your memoirs? Is that what's is that the problem?
0: It feels. I mean, it feels selfish to write from that uh, deeply personal place. I don't know. People have talked to me about writing a memoir, mm-hmm. like a sexual history or like experiences, okay. uh, teaching, and what that's been like. Oh. But I don't. I don't know. And
2: you're not, are, you, are you not down with that? You've you've had the suggestion, but you're like, no. I need to do this topic based thing over here.
0: I guess uh, it feels like. It feels wrong. It feels... I don't know if selfish is the right word. You were giving me a little bit of a, a look.
2: My eyebrows are up at the word wrong. Yeah, I want to know what that means.
0: It feels kind of selfish and a bit... Um, like, I've always kind of had this mantra when it comes to sex ed that it's not about me. It's about, it's about everyone. It's about the individual, f- you know, finding what works for them. But okay. talk so writing about myself and my experiences feels like it's about me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and even though I realize that it it could resonate with someone like you just read this, um, this blog post that I wrote about, um, a weird experience I had on a plane.
2: That was fantastic piece of writing. Really? I, yeah, it was touching and moving. I was right there with you. You painted an extremely vivid picture and, uh, i i don't know it it struck me as the kind of writing that uh it's different than the i've gl- i've glanced at some. Of, we share our stuff in dropbox i guess people should know that and i've glanced at some of your stuff now and then and well
0: i haven't in a long time because i realized that you do not it, it, you're not allowed to read my journals <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's I don't, I don't think i've read anything that resembled journaling so i guess that it was because it was early days um but um yeah, what I read last night reminded me a lot of the sort of essays that I'm used to hearing read aloud on NPR, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, maybe there's a little like they do like little Foley and soundtrack and kind of sound effects in the background to help create the picture. Um, so it was just, I don't know, I was struck by the vividness of it. I guess the the thing that comes to mind for me is it sounds like you've decided the book a you need to write a book and B, the book needs to be topic based and C, it has to tie in with your your educational mission and your self-help mission when what seems to be happening is something else is coming through you right now and i'm wondering if there isn't space to shift your idea of okay you're supposed to be writing a book but maybe it's not the book you thought because i'm going through the same thing
0: yeah it's like um I mean, one, my knowledge about sex just expands and changes and, like, I'll learn a new thing and then everything, it's all constantly changing. So to put it down in writing just feels
2: weird. It's too dynamic. It's too dynamic to pin down at this point in your career or process or evolution, right?
0: Yeah. Yes. And then there's the fact that, um, I don't know, it just feels weird to share stories like, um... I mean, the the experience on the plane was so bizarre. This woman basically doesn't work very hard to sit anywhere close to her kids. And I'm not next to her kids, but because I have said that I need to stay in an aisle seat, she berates me for looking gay. (laughs) And basically... That's
2: that's kind of what happened there.
0: (laughs) And it was the, the weirdest, it was just the strangest like up close and personal, like four inches from my face, like experience with a person. Mm. I think I've had in a long time. And I've had a lot of weird experiences with people. Yeah. Um, I just, I mean, you're, you've got, like, what did we calculate? Like, you've got, you're like 80% to like the level, lo- like the amount of volume, at least of like a first draft of a book. Whereas I'm kind of just, I just feel a lot of pressure, and I have all the resources of people who want to help me edit, who want to help me find a publisher. Like I have people who want to help me, and like you, encouraging me, but it's, why is it that I can talk about sex all day long, I can teach classes, I can give speeches, but the idea of writing down what I know, or the things that I feel, just seem like the most... I mean, write them down so that people can read them uh you know i can write down like you know private journal things but why is that the worst thing in the world to me like why is that so horrifying
2: horrifying like <laughs> is it is it hard like is it, is it you resist it because it's just difficult to do or do you not enjoy it while you're doing it? what's actually going on for you when you're writing
0: um my thought process there's, there's so like, I, I get bombarded by so much information like in sudden like feeling it's like a perfect storm of like feelings information um and just well i guess perfect storm is at least three storms but i can't think of the other things okay. <laughs> but it's just so many things i just like the stuff like that's my book the stuff
2: okay
0: um but there's so much in there
2: is it possible that you have a you'd say that i'm 80 percent of the way to a book which i have trouble seeing but it's probably true is it possible you are too
0: no, not at all. No, because I haven't. The minute I start writing for other people to read, I I feel like like my chest tighten up. I mean, like um, earlier in in this episode, um, Cory Bradshaw will be talking about um, like writing cool. like your your fantasies out for a partner to to read because sometimes it's hard to communicate verbally or sometimes it's not practical. Mm. And like I'm fine writing feelings, but the minute I imagine someone else is going to read it, it's like nah. I don't. Mm. Okay. Um. I don't know, maybe I should just ebook like, a really just messy, raw, like, <laughs> first-hand account of a very strange five years of being a teacher. And... Put it
2: under a pseudonym to put something out there that's not you and, and won't impact your brand in any way if that's – I know, if that's a concern or if you want to – because if you – I mean, that's been that's a long tradition among writers, right? They, you put a cloak up and this is – I'm going to just say what I want to say and I'm not worried about what anybody thinks of me or what the – feedback's gonna be or the response because you're not gonna know it was me
0: i forgot you could do that yeah That's <laughs> it's true
2: yeah it's it's one way to to <laughs> button that up i don't know if that would change your experience with the writing for you but it might yeah.
0: uh,
2: have you let anybody have you let you, you have all these resources you say have you let any of them in have you let them see what you've got
0: no okay. i mean i i'm almost done with um uh, my last draft of the girl sex 101 flirting essay that i'm writing so that's nice okay um and my first draft was horrible and she let me know in the most loving terms and then was like let's try this again and i did it and she's like i love this so i was like oh okay right. so i it's stepping stones i think
2: yes it is
0: you have good writing but you have also have gotten a lot a lot of feedback that's good
2: yeah, it's. I mean, it's one of the things. Writing. I I was listening to you talk about your process around writing, and it sounded to me a lot like my process around making music. Um, five years ago, I was at a place in my life where I was just I was constantly exposing myself to new. Forms of music, new sounds, literally new production styles, different eras. I was reaching further and further back because you know, Spotify and Pandora came into my life, and so what was happening is I was writing songs, and before I would even get like thirty percent of the way into a song i would want to completely change it because i had heard some new sound that had captured my imagination and i'm like this is what the song needs to be and i would rip out the groove and put a new drum beat under there and you know change half the lyrics and everything and i I can't commit yeah i was constantly reworking the art in circles and not making any forward progress on the macro level what did you do uh, a couple of things, number one is um I hooked up with a collaborator, namely my wife. We started making music together, and that instantly changed that dynamic mm-hmm. because it's it's it 's much easier to stop somebody else from going in circles, and they'll in turn they 'll stop you it's mm-hmm. v- unlikely that you'll both go and try to go in the same circle uh, <clears throat> pardon. so that was the first thing, and the other is that we just the more we worked together, the more we realized that there was a a sound emerging between the two of us that we were just couldn't help but make and then from that point forward it became less about trying to make the songs what we thought it should be and the songs were just kind of revealing themselves to us so I think that that's why I asked about if you've let anybody in if you have people who are willing to edit um, or, or do any kind of a thing where they can look at your work and help you to just kind of Pull out the really good stuff. Get rid of the stuff that's weak, and somehow find a thread that ties it together. You might be further along on something that, than you think, and it might not be. You can pull the personal stuff out. You taught me this actually, cool. like, well, because I'm doing podcasts with my tech support guy Nathan every week, and one of the things you shared with me early on, because I was coming to you for advice about podcasts, was you can edit out the stuff that makes something personal, but leave the rest of the story. in. I don't know if you remember telling me that or not, but it was it really rocked my world. <laughs>
0: Uh, I mean, in the context of podcasts, that does sound familiar.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> You're telling me my own advice and just applying it to yeah, writing. Yeah,
2: that's, that's my job. I bounce it back. Um, so, yeah, it might be the case that, or maybe the personal stuff that you've written becomes the topics that you then expound upon in a more detached way or or whatnot. But get some other perspective other you it sounds like you've been in your own bubble too long really and so it's it's impossible to maintain perspective in that place and it's it's way too easy to not manage your own tendencies <sighs> God. Ah. But then you go, you got to open it up, then right? You got to be vulnerable. You got—we're going through the same thing with—we have to give these rough, rough demos of ourselves. We have like this crappy microphone in the middle of the living room, and we'll sing, and I'm playing the guitar. We have to give this to like the super producer who's won Grammys because he wants to hear our music, and we're like, it sounds like crap, and he's like, I don't care, I can hear through that because he's a freaking pro, right? It's what he does. So yeah, find some people that you trust, let them in.
0: I don't trust anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I need to let people in. I also need to just that commitment thing. I don't, I don't have a writing partner. I don't particularly want to have a writing partner, but I do. It's like, I don't know who I'm writing it for. I know I need to write for myself. Cause I I just, I feel that like I'm trying to write for other people and I have this, I mean, how many people have told me like, you need to write a book and every time I finish a blowjob class, I'm like, well, like, because one, two hours doesn't feel like nearly enough time to share all of the nuance of what I've noticed and what people have told me. There's just so much. And then I know I God, I could just you know, have a whole weekend of just this topic of you're know, just having like all these different workshops on different perspectives and then it's like well that's why don't i just write a book about it but then the minute i sit down and like actually try and write it i'm just like oh it doesn't oh. feel right
2: is it possible it's gonna be, it's strange to ask this but is it possible that this idea that you had that you need to write a book is just mistaken
0: Ugh.
2: you just like it's not your medium why why not why aren't you doing series of videos for instance you've, you're clearly very comfortable talking giving talks and everything like that
0: oh, don't even get me started on my youtube video block <laughs> like that's i just i think feeling it feels so permanent i think it's just high expectations about the quality of the product that i want to put out and oh, yeah. it's yeah. Like falling okay below that.
2: it's this. That's again it gets back to the stinking music thing for me um there's this thing about artists. There's two kinds of artists that this is, I, I read this somewhere, I can't remember where. Um, I think it was a Malcolm Gladwell book, but he was ripping it from somebody else's book. There's two kinds of artists. There's, they're the kind that are geniuses from birth. And so th- those artists tend to, and again, these are all sort of generalities here, but they tend to be extremely prolific. They have really, really sort of fast, furious rises to fame, and their their early period is explosive and fiery, and then they burn out and they're they're by the time they're thirty or forty years old, their art is kind of weak and crap, and that's the end of it they've peaked and then there's- there's the rest of us we have to learn our craft over time, and some part of us knows how good we really are. We know how much we rock. We, know, I know how good a writer I am. I've, I've known how good of a songwriter I am for a long time. But the problem is that as we're learning the craft, we're churning out work that at first isn't up to that level. And we know it. And so we feel like frauds. And we just... Uh, We got that. There's like I feel like a burning shame when I listen to my oldest songs that I've recorded. I'm just like I'm embarrassed for myself and nobody else is hearing it, right? So
0: yeah, I uh, burning shame. Very familiar with burning shame. Yes,
2: but you have to keep spitting out completed work you have to um it's the only way to progress because otherwise you you try to apply the lessons that you've learned to the stuff that's still in progress and what you have to do is you have to button up the work in progress and then apply what you've learned to the next thing the new thing and you keep moving forward and and growing that way
0: so anonymous ebooks
2: yeah do it
0: all right i need to finish something
2: you do we all do we all need to finish we all need to be constantly finishing things it's not what are you doing it's what are you getting done
0: you should watch me attempt to tweet sometimes. I just, I'm like, uh like 140 characters or less. And I'm like just like, ugh, just, uh Like I'm moving words around and,
2: yeah. I, it's hard. Freeing up characters. It's challenging. You gotta have a good vocabulary to express everything you want to say the way you want to say it. And less than 140 characters.
0: It's true. Um, yeah. I also, I think, at the end of the day, it's creating something that makes me happy instead of trying to fulfill like a need or somebody else's expectations or whatever it's, it's you know. Book. yeah or just any art but um, oh. I feel like I have so much information inside me that I just want to get out and I want to, to get it out in a, a way that's easy for people to absorb because like a podcast I mean it's kind of all over the place you know it's a very specific type of communication but like mm. oh I just want to rip it out of my heart just and put it um but i don't know I could just be lazy and rebellious against myself you know it's but i have high expectations about what that needs to look like i don't know maybe i just have I just, uh, maybe i should just work on heartfelt and just
2: <laughs> yeah well, you can't go wrong if you do that because that's yeah you, you got that down
0: already yeah and i spend way too much time trying to title the future book oh. <laughs> <laughs> in my yeah. head. I'm like constantly trying to name it.
2: No, don't no, don't. Don't try to title it. Fine. It's interesting. I keep hearing you say that you, you don't want it to be about you or, or whatever. I just, uh, most of the time I have no idea why I'm doing the crap that I'm doing. You know, it's just, there's something it's for something bigger than me, it's for something different than me. it's it's not most of the time I don't particularly enjoy it, mm-hmm. although I do find it incredibly rewarding, especially when I get stuff completed. Mm-hmm. Um, but the process can be grueling. I think almost every artist can a, can resonate with this like it's just not something that uh it's not like eating an ice cream Sunday where bite is like, mm, man, give me another bite, you know I just but and yet we obsessively come back to it. Um, you have to write what you know you can you can only. What else are you going to do? You're sitting down to write and the stuff is coming through you, right? So if you detach your agenda from that and and you were just recognize the raw truth that this is happening, this book is coming through me, whatever it is, it's not for me. It's not. It's not what I expected. But there it is. Do something with it.
0: I don't like it. But I know it's true That. Tw- that 1,200-word blog post about that crazy, homophobic, slightly racist, <laughs> just slightly um, airplane thing, it took me at least five hours of editing. Like, at least. Like, it, it, that took a long time of polishing. So in terms of finishing something, it's just...
2: <sighs> Seems like it was worth it. I mean, it was... It's. It doesn't come off that way it doesn't it looks like it just came out of you that way which i think is a sign of masterful craftsmanship like it looks way easier than it was
0: well thank you i was practicing
2: excellent yeah keep it up just keep doing it yeah i will too
0: all right okay great thank you um what is the name of your podcast
2: uh the ubk happy fun time hour
0: Excellent. So if people Google that, they can find it?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, we're primarily up on SoundCloud right now, UBK Happy Fun Time Hour. Um, you can find us on the Kush Audio Facebook page as well. And, yeah, we're, we're out there. The Google will find us.
0: I know you're highly knowledgeable in the realm of like audio engineer nerdiness.
2: Super, yes. Very much so.
0: But, like, th- is this... Is your podcast geared toward that? But are you like analyzing music and listening to it, and like, or how is it?
2: That's that's next for us. Actually, we've we've been talking. We've just been geeking out. People have been writing us mostly gear questions about the the equipment that we use and the processors that we use to bend sound. Um, sometimes they ask us questions about acoustics and and our techniques for getting sounds to behave nicely. But um, yeah, we've we've realized that it's going to be cool to get people to send us um not we're, not we're not going to go with their work yet we're going to go with commercial work that's that's out there and people suggest songs and ask us you know like how did they get this snare drum sound or why, why does this song hit me in the gut when the chorus lands you know anything and everything and so we're going to start listening to music and breaking it down and analyzing it both on a technical level but also very much on a artistic and emotional level too
0: good because i like emotions
2: yeah and that's the whole point of it too you just, Trying to create an emotional response in the listener. So if, if a song has managed to do that for uh, a generous number of people, it's it. As artists, we would do well to look at that.
0: I want to do an episode that's on uh, sex and music, and talk about what kind of music, like a hookup music. You ah, know, like that'd be so much fun. To I
2: like love any, anything with a hip hop beat or a down tempo beat or a little slow grind, a little Barry White. You know, like it's, it's cliche, but my god, it
0: works yes, but i don't even really understand what no understand why but it would be fun if you ever wanted to do that episode i would so be down oh, yeah bring it on oh my god i could do that episode do you want me on my show wait you are on my show i'm so confused
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a we'll do a dual podcast we'll we'll will merge the two
0: ah sex music oh that's so exciting okay well um thank you so much for listening gregory thank you for sitting with me and analyzing my crazy
2: uh likewise because you do it for me almost every day
0: <laughs> uh go team fun <laughs> now leaving nerdist.com